This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 48. So Instagram can get a pretty bad rap for highlighting the glossy side of life too much. I think there's this idea that if it's not totally journalistic, then it's not real life. So it needs to be the dirty dishes in the sink instead of that styled and pretty version for it to count. But this week's guest shows that there's really a third way that we can be truthful in our imagery. Carolyn Mara uses photography in the difficult parts of her life, both as a means of expression and connection, as well as a type of therapy to get her through the moment. I called her up to find out how it all started and what lessons she's learned along the way. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to Hashtag Authentic. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I have followed you. You I think you're one of my very first kind of Instagram people I followed. But for anyone who doesn't already, could you give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you do? Yes, I'm an artist and I use photography as my main medium of visual expression. But I love the act of creating in many forms. And I'm a mother of three. I consider them my greatest creations. And we live in Miami, Florida. And I'm a teacher and a mentor. I actually like to describe myself as a creative spirit guide. I believe everyone has the ability to be creative if they want it and can achieve it. And I also believe strongly in the power of creative healing and turning visual expression, turning to visual expression can help people in difficult times. And I feel like some people maybe hear some of those words and maybe if they're coming from a background similar to mine where creativity felt like it belonged to other people, like it wasn't something they were allowed in their life, that that might all sound quite hard to, quite intangible, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But what you teach and and what you do is incredibly tangible from my side of things. Like I see what you do as being really relatable and also like it's a really easy thing to connect with. I also think I like the challenge of, you know, the saying, I don't have a creative bone in my body. (laughs) I actually think everyone has a creative bone in their body. They just, they have to want it and they have to find it and they have to exercise it. Just like you exercise your body to get stronger. You're not going to go on that first run and run a mile. And I think the same about creativity. The more you do it and the more time you spend trying and exercising your thought process, the easier that it becomes and the more naturally you can start creating. That's such a good analogy. And funnily enough, it's something like society is quite good at reminding us to exercise our actual bodies. You know, you have to do physical education in most education programs. It's kind of an essential through school. But creativity is sidelined a lot of the time and a lot of the time a lot of people are made to feel like it's something that doesn't belong to them. You know, if you don't, if you don't take the art class at school, then that's the end of your creative journey and and there's no more time for it in your life. And there's all different kinds of ways to create and pushing yourself. I mean, I had never knit anything and I started trying to arm knit a few years ago and have made many blankets since. And I like to paint, but I'm not a technical painter. So I paint with a mop. I mean, I think it's about trying to think outside the box and finding different ways to make things that fit for you. 
painting them up that's amazing <laughs> I want to try that it's quite fun actually it sounds like a lot of fun so take us back how did you kind of get start- started on this journey did you always know that you wanted to be an artist I always had art as part of my life my we had a dark room in my my house growing up my mother always had a camera in her hand and gave me a camera when I was maybe 13 I took classes in high school I took classes in college but actually majored in psychology because I was told to get a liberal education and if I wanted to do art I could do it later and I stuck to that and I ended up getting my master's in photography in New York in my early 20s so I definitely come from a education background in photography but then I got married and I moved to Florida and I had my two boys and actually I started a blog with two friends that did not live here to kind of just keep us in touch. And we took pictures every single day for three years with our iPhones and cell phones. This was at the very beginning of this idea of having a phone on your camera. It was pre-Instagram and it was like a blog stomp blog for the three of us. And every day we just posted one picture and it could be something we did, or it could be the ceiling if we were sick lying in bed. But it was this very early idea of creative exercise and just doing something every day for us and to keep in touch with ourselves. I loved those projects. There was a few around at that time. And there was such magic to kind of seeing that regularity from people's everyday life. Yes. And then when Instagram became, we kind of moved over there. And that, you know, that became the platform. And so I was a early, early joiner. And I too started following you very early. I mean, I think that it was different then. It was the beginning and everyone was trying to feel themselves out, I Mm. guess. Looking back, we were all doing it very differently. We were all creating quite different stuff for Instagram. How do you feel like what you create for Instagram has evolved over those years? I believe that my my life and the struggles that I went through for a few years really helped push me into the artist that I am today. I had all that technical idea of creating projects and galleries and all of that, but I wasn't creating from a deep place within. And I started doing that as a form to heal from what I was experiencing. And that kind of pushed me in a different direction and it helped me. And I've I've always, I used my iPhone for a really long time. I still do now, not always, but often. You were iPhone only for the longest time, weren't you? I was iPhone only for a very, very long time. And I believe you can do anything with with the iPhone and it's in your pocket and it's easy and it's there. And that is a great value because if it's there, then you'll use it. And yes. And so I started teaching classes about using your iPhone to express yourself. I started a a small school with a few friends and then we joined another, another group. And I was a big proponent of using your iPhone and using it as this way to create quickly and immediately. And, you know, there was a great satisfaction to be able to do something well quickly and have fun doing it. So when did using other cameras kind of become part of your Instagram big picture? More recently, honestly, you know, I've always used my big camera. I did Childhood Unplugged and which forced me every month to take pictures for years with my children. And I've always used my big camera for personal projects that I've done. But I was so stuck on this fact that my Instagram was iPhone only, that I did it out of principle for a long time. (laughs) I was teaching and I kind of... It was silly. So now 
often I still use my iPhone because I take pictures where I tape it to the ceiling and it's an easier way to do it if I'm trying to suspend my camera over the pool or over my bathtub. I can't use my large camera. But now I've kind of relaxed my own guidelines and if it's easy to have the phone on the tripod. I could just as easily have the big camera and I've started to use it. I have to say for anyone who doesn't know your Instagram already, please go and take a look at Carolyn's and especially pay attention to when she does behind the scenes because you share these pictures, these incredible like dreamy bath photographs or images of you on the bed and they seem so incredibly professional, which of course you are, but they, they, they are so transportive and perfect. And then you share the behind the scenes and it involves a lot of you climbing up ladders, planks Using of wood. blue painter's tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it really is very DIY and really achievable, which I love. So you kind of touched a little bit there on you've had a, a difficult time over the last few years. Is that something that we could talk a little bit about? Yes, definitely. I, I mean, it's, it's, who I am and it's made my art what it is. I I went through two different things that I've openly talked about. One was my husband's depression and the other was my struggle with infertility. And in both of these things, I would turn to my photography and my creating as a way to help me get through those moments. I really love that because I think it's something that on paper we all probably realize is a sensible and appropriate outlet but what tends to happen for most of us is when life gets difficult the first thing we drop is our creativity so life throws obstacles in our way and we feel like our last priority is taking time to make things or to have fun and you kind of you did the opposite and you turned those feelings into something that kind of carried you forwards exactly and I think it's also so I've definitely understand the idea of not wanting to create a snapshot of your life and a documentary feel when you're struggling or when you're going through something but this idea of changing the direction of the way you use the camera and using it as a form of art and expressing yourself and thinking, okay, I'm going to take an image of something and create this moment, not only to help me, but then I can look back at this and I can let this pain live inside this image and I can kind of put it away and say, okay, this is this moment. This is how I'm feeling. I'm going to put it here and then I'm going to let it go. And I think that that can be really transformative and really healing. It's something sort of, as writers in particular, there's a whole notion around this, isn't there? Like, people create their best work when they're going through a shitty time. And I've certainly always found that, like, there is no writing I do that is like the writing I do when I'm miserable. Misery is the best thing for my creative process. It's true. I believe that entirely. But you hit on something really key there that most of us tend to think of photography as a documentary process, especially Instagram photography, which is probably where most people are sharing that work. We're so used to it being, oh, these are the highlights of my day. This is how my life is lovely right now. And when your life isn't lovely right now, it can feel really dishonest to to be trying to kind of maintain that. And what we end up then doing is withdrawing from that community that actually maybe could really be helping us right now and be a supportive thing in our life. And I'll tell you that Looking back, when I started really doing this, I was not open and honest about about it at the time. Like I had a moment where I would be upset and I would take this picture of me screaming into a pillow from above and then I would post it and I would just say something like, bad day or, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. explain what was actually happening or I would say it really feels good to scream into a pillow, but I wouldn't explain why I was doing that. And 
because I wasn't ready at the time. I was using it for myself, but I was being very cryptic in my explanation. And that's okay. That was step one for me. I needed to get through that part before I could get to a place where I was putting the words with the images. And that whole period was really healing for me. So I know because one of the things you've been working on that we were just talking about earlier is a new class that kind of draws on some of these kind of creative skills you've been developing through the last few years. So is that one of the types of things that you'll be teaching? So yes, I am teaching a new class coming up soon called Creative Therapy. And one of the things that I talk about is this idea of creating in the moment. And it's something that I did a lot when I was trying to get through some of these difficult moments. And so one specifically was this period where my husband was suffering from this deep depression. And it's something that I struggled with for a long time, even though I knew that it was about him and what he was experiencing. I was taking everything so personally. And one of the things when your partner is depressed is they don't see you sexually and they can't see past themselves, let alone, let alone see you. Mm. And here I am in my mid thirties in my as I hear sexual prime and I just want to be seen and want to be loved and want to feel important and beautiful and he could not see me. And so as this was happening, I started creating this series of images, which at the time I didn't consider a series and it became one after where I would go and I would take photographs of myself representing how I felt in that moment. I took a picture of myself with a rose in between my legs and my face covered because I really wanted this, this beautiful place. I wanted him to see the beauty of me sexually mm. and he wouldn't see it. And I had another experience where we were on vacation in California at the Beverly Hills Hotel and he wouldn't get out of bed. And I was so frustrated and I was walking around the hotel and they have these banana leaf wallpaper everywhere. And I walked, I wandered into the gift shop and I saw the same banana leaf bathing suit. And so mm. I went and I bought the bathing suit and I got my iPhone and I got my tripod and I set it up in the middle of the hotel's stairway. And I took this picture of myself in the bathing suit against the wall with this idea of, that I felt like I was invisible. I wasn't there. But that whole process of doing it helped, allowed me basically to get out of my head and take a second and say, okay, instead of sitting here and crying about this, what can I do? What can I create to visually explain how I'm feeling? And the whole process of doing that made me feel better. I, it's almost like a dance. It's this dance of putting everything up, going and taking the picture, seeing what it looks like, trying again, moving, moving in the camera, moving my body and the back and forth and checking and looking. And then when I get the picture that I like, I feel better. I feel like, okay, here it is. This is it. This is this moment. It's going to live here. And now I'm going to go and I'm going to wipe off my tears and I'm going to move on with my day. It's almost a meditation, but in a really practical sense. It is very much. And it also reminds me of an episode a few weeks back that I did with Kate Swoboda, who talks about courage. And one of the ways to get past a moment of crisis is to kind of reconnect with your body and reconnect with the stories that you're telling yourself right then in that moment. And that's kind of what you found a hack to do is you use photography as a means to kind of do those things that sound easy on paper, but can be really difficult to do in practice and to remember to do. So you found like a really practical way of occupying your brain in that space. Yes. And I think that it's, 
finding any way to do some, to change your mood and to change your direction is a healthy way to deal with a difficult moment. And so this is my way of doing it. And I think that it's possible. I can understand people feeling like, well, I don't know how I would go do that. But I think going through certain steps and thinking about how you're feeling and visually what that is and where you can go and what you can do and being led through a series of steps and practicing those steps and practicing maybe when you're not upset, then you can channel all of it when you are and say, okay, I'm going to redirect my time and energy right now and I'm going to go do this and then I'm going to have a result and I'm going to feel good about that. Yeah. And and it's good because you're redirecting your time and energy, but you are not avoiding that very real feeling that that needs to be expressed and needs to be kind of honored in the moment and so that you create this image that whether you I presume you never have to share it with anybody beyond yourself but it's something you've created as a record like a diary entry that that happened and you felt that way and that it was okay exactly but you did share yours and you kind of touched on earlier that you didn't necessarily share the, the full story at the time how did your community how has it responded to these images and how does it respond to this kind of emotional imagery that you started to share? It responds so well. And I think that that's part of it. It's part of, that's the beauty of Instagram and of this idea of creating a community. Every time I share anything more personal and I kind of delve into all of this, I always get so many messages and so many people sharing their stories and and feeling empowered by it and saying that they're going to try to go do something themselves. And it's in helping others that you help yourself. And it's in creating this community that everybody can and learn and grow and feel better. And, you know, I created this first project with the images for my husband. I called it self-help and I shared it on a art-based platform. It was actually on my website with a statement long before I talked about it on Instagram. And so I had shared the images, but I hadn't talked about it there. I talked about it in my art world and not in my Instagram world. It it took me a long time to go there. But once I did, I was actually super empowered and I couldn't believe what a reception that I got and how many people I was able to help through doing so. I found that again and again, like the things that feel borderline too vulnerable or maybe a little bit scary to put out there are usually the times when we actually get the most connection in return and it's usually worth kind of pushing past that that slight barrier when we're ready and putting it out there and and seeing what the response is going to be exactly I was just wondering if there are any images you've not shared that maybe were too personal or that you've wanted to keep those moments to yourself there's images within a series that maybe I mean, there's images that maybe I was crying in it and I didn't choose that one. Mm. I chose the one that I took the deep breath and I said, okay, get through this. And so I do believe that in every session that I did, I would find something, but I'm also a don't give up type person. (laughs) I've taken many, many pictures for Instagram that did not work and I have not showed, but that's just because they sucked and (laughs) nobody needed to see them. But I would say for every picture that I haven't posted in that same day or in that same realm or idea, I found something that worked because I'll keep going until I find something that I like. Um, And what I really like as well about your gallery, I think, is that you have a really, you have just a balance going on. So you will share this, this work that is indisputably art it is you know it it represents a much deeper message than than the majority of stuff that most of us share on Instagram but there's also a lot of fun in your gallery we see lots of your daughter 
Yes. And she is a celebration of kind of the the difficult times you've come through, it seems like. You know, the very first image I ever took for on my mattress where I put my phone on the ceiling is an image of me in a vintage nightgown curled up in a ball. Yeah crying basically. And that was one of the images that's part of my self-help series. And it, when I finally had her and I took my first image on the bed with her, which ended up becoming my matching on the mattress organically, um, it was an image of her in the baby bird shirt and me in the mama bird shirt, mm-hmm. which was something that I had wanted to do for so long. And it was in that same spot. And so I really think that it became from a difficult moment to a celebration. And, and this idea of being able to have my mini and match with her, I mean, I would have never guessed that that's something I would have done, but it is a celebration and it's something that I enjoy and makes me happy. And so I keep doing it. I really love that. I feel like it speaks to kind of the authenticity of what you do that you're happy to have different voices and to be speaking in different ways to people. And it's not all got to kind of, I guess, like you were speaking earlier, following the rules of your gallery and thinking about, oh, it has to all be iPhone and it has to all be X, Y and Z. But now it feels like you've relaxed a lot of those rules for what you do. Yes, I have. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Although with three kids, I'm not surprised. I don't know how anyone does any rules in life with three kids on the go. I do think that this idea of, you know, I am speaking very much about this idea of creating to get through things, which I find really important, but I think creating for the fun of creating and this idea of creative exercise is really important. It's why I like challenges. It's why I do the WHP week after week. You know, that is my fun creation for the week. And I think that it's important. The more you find ways to do things like that, the more you can stretch yourself. So WHP, we should clarify, is the Instagram weekend hashtag project. People always will message me after ever this gets a mention. So I'm going to be really clear that it goes out usually on the Friday UK time, Friday night on Instagram's own gallery feed. What time does it come out for you guys in the States? Around like 5 or 6 p.m. I think. On a Friday? Yeah, on a Friday afternoon and you have the weekend to create something. wherever you are usually by Saturday morning it is up there on Instagram's Instagram feed and it is a prompt for something to create for the weekend I think we've had recent ones like uh, shapes was the weekend just gone there was one with shine and it was light and Carolyn is the original queen of the weekend hashtag project <laughs> like you have been creating consistently for this project the whole time I followed you and just for years just absolutely yeah raising the bar of entries non-stop how many times have you been featured over the years you know I I think five I was featured mostly back in the day when they would feature six people at the same time they used yeah. to put all six images together or nine I think and or seven and then six they switched it around and it's only been in the last two years I think or a year and a half that they post a separate square for each winner and now that has huge traction of course and if you get featured right. now it's it can be a real boost for your kind of following and for your reach but it's also just a really fun thing to do like you said to, it's a really nice parameter to give yourself that you can create within over a couple of days it's great it's it's a and it will cause me to do something that I wouldn't necessarily do my boys call it my homework because <laughs> I, I do it so religiously on the weekends but it's a great exercise and you know Sometimes I'll go and I'll look at what the project is and I'll be like, oh, I don't really love this one. 
But you know what? Those are the ones that are the best to do because if you don't love it and you have to make it work for you, you have to push yourself even further to figure out. This past weekend was shapes and it really didn't seem very exciting to me, but I ended up thinking about it over the course of the night and deciding I wanted to do something with this idea of a triangle. And I created a self-portrait with myself all three times for the triangle in black, white, and red. And I would have never made that image if the weekend hashtag project hadn't been shape. So it's nice to have a reason to go out and do something. And sometimes I go super out of my way. Uh, I got up a few weeks ago. I came up with the idea on Friday afternoon, evening to when it was oddly satisfying to do this thing with the bath bombs because I I found that oddly satisfying. And I was up at the mall on Saturday morning when it opened at 10 a.m. to get a bunch of bath balls, bath bombs (laughs) and my husband was like, okay, see you later. Go, go, <laughs> go get your props. And then it was a whole project. My son was involved in putting them in the bath and getting the ladder into the shower to take the iPhone was quite the, <laughs> the job. Family project for my WHP submission. But it's fun. And I also like the fact that my, my boys watch me being creative and see that it's important to me. And my middle child is is my creative one and this idea that he's actually involving himself and he comes up with ideas and it's fun it's nice and that's what I want for them so yeah it's it's really valuable in fact my daughter goes to a Steiner school and one of the principles of Steiner is that the kids have to see you doing they call it handicrafts but it's any kind of making or creating at home every week because they think it's so important for children to kind of have that model yeah and it's something we don't really talk about an awful lot as parents I think that they obviously do what they see us do and if all we do is spend time on our phones which I'm incredibly guilty of then all they want to do is spend time on their tablets but if they can see us experimenting and sometimes like you've just described that thing with the bath bombs I'm sure you've had this where sometimes you go to all that goddamn trouble and the pictures are rubbish and the concept just doesn't work you've turned the house upside down like you've dominated the weekend and you're just like oh god this doesn't work or the light's terrible it's pouring outside (laughs) and you just don't have enough light and it's grainy yeah and and then you just kind of got to chalk it up to experience. But I, I always think that whenever that happens and I feel frustrated, I think it's good for Orla to see that, you know, sometimes you try and it doesn't work. And that's life. That's everything and not just creativity. And, and that's OK. And you can just dust yourself off and put your house back together and keep trying. Exactly. I find as well for myself, like you touched on it with the Weekend Hashtag Project, really, but that sometimes when you could create anything, when you get up in the morning and everything is open to you, it's almost overwhelming, the idea that what am I going to create today? And if you give yourself those neat and tidy parameters, so like something like the Weekend Hashtag Project, or in one of my classes, we make paper dice with prompts on and you have to roll them and then you've just got to make whatever those dice tell you to do. For me, that can be really helpful because it keeps me moving and it keeps me kind of creating and stopping myself from going down that huge spiral of doing nothing because it feels too impossible. I love that idea. I also have, here I am again with my rules, <laughs> but but this idea for my feed, I, I like to think of the entire feed as a piece of art as well, not just the individual picture. And I have, I think that you could have any rules. There's not the right rule. My rule is certainly not good for some, for somebody else, but I like to make sure that I have dimension, whether I have a flat background or I have a 
deep background or if my subject is closer up or further away. And I have this system where I make sure that everything, oh my gosh, I, I don't even know if I can say this right because <laughs> it sounds absolutely crazy. I know what you're going to um, say though because we're all the I, same. You know, it's so I look at my feed and I say, okay, what do I need next? How close does my subject need to be? How far away does my background need to be? What color do I need to be wearing? And sometimes that's enough to just look around and find something to create that fits within my parameters to make the image look right. And exactly. Now I get what you're, I think there's two really important things you've touched on then, because yes, it does to anyone not in this world of creating an Instagram. Obviously that sounds batshit crazy. I mean, <laughs> we'll do it. But it has two really important functions. One is that actually, like just pragmatically, a gallery that has all those dimensions and that has that richness and all of that depth to it is going to attract more of an audience. It's going to get more followers. And this is something I still teach in my classes because if your gallery is cohesive and grabs people as soon as they look at it, of course they're going to follow and of course they're going to spend more time engaging, which... If we're on Instagram, presumably it's because we want to reach an audience. So I don't think there's any shame in in utilizing that. But you've also touched on the much more important second reason, which is, yeah, it gives you parameters to create within. And motivation is motivation. I just don't think we should question it. If it gets us doing what we want Agreed. to do, then I'm, I'm all for it. So yeah, let's be gallery geeks together. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think another thing that people should do to help them is come up with projects because the more projects that you have in your feed and the more like ha personal hashtags, that's another way to kind of help you create and help you go in different directions. And I've had some that have lasted a while and I've let go of and others that have lasted from my, you know, matching mattress and yoga to my visual expression, but just even to my weekly images of my daughter, which are my personal diary yeah. for her you know I'm, I'm not so great at making the pretty the pretty scrapbooks but I print the book at the end of the year with her weekly pictures and story and it tells you when she got her tooth and, and when she said her words and and it keeps me going so do you have feelings on this kind of always inevitably causes some people to worry about the oversharing of people of children on social media and both you and I our children play a role in the stories that we tell online how do you kind of balance that in your own mind you know I've always thought of my gallery much for me and what I want to share and my boys joke that now that I have her they they don't have to be subjected <laughs> as often to being my subjects uh, but I, I think that you know, I want to be able to look back on this and also see what we're doing and who we are. And I do try to balance. I mean, I'm not doing a classic documentary style. I mean, they're posed portraits of her, but they are documenting her growing up. And it's for me. And that's important to me. And that's enough. And I, I really think what it comes down to for me is every parent is making the best decision that they can for their child. And as mothers, we are so frequently doubted and criticized by the entire world I don't think there's any group of people that everyone loves to criticize more than mothers yes. and if we could just get past it and trust mums to make the best decisions for their kids with the right resources that they have then I really think we could all relax about it and and understand that these children are not at risk of any harm I think, I mean, I, I want to believe that she's going to be happy one day to be able to look back on this and, and see all of it. I mean, I love looking at the pictures of myself and I understand that here, it with others, but 
I don't think there's any harm in it. And I think what I'm doing in the end for her is going to be a beautiful journal for her to look back on. I agree. And if other people don't agree, I absolutely think it's their right to hold their children back from social media, just to be really clear for anyone listening. But I hope that we can all respect each other's choices in this. So you mentioned that you are going to be teaching a new class. I've got quite a few friends actually that have taken your previous class and loved it. So what can we expect from the new class that's different? So in the past, I've talked a lot about creating personal projects and creative exercise. This class is called creative therapy. And it goes through all the different exercises and ways to be creative and to prepare yourself to create in a way to help aid you through any difficult moments in your life, whether it's creating in the moment, working through past pain, or creating for the joy of creating and helping you feel empowered in a different voice, in a different way than your than your actual voice, your visual, your visual voice. And I'm really excited about it. It's something that I've done for a long time, but now I'm removed enough that I've been able to look back on how I did it and how it helped me and how I've been able to help others through mentoring and put it into a class that will be ready at the end of summer. So probably when this goes out, there may be just be a month or so for people to wait. And I will obviously share all the details where they can get on your waiting list and find out more. One thing I really love about this is you mentioned at the beginning that your first degree was in psychology. Is that right? Yes, that is. So you kind, this is kind of you coming full circle. And that's true. This is something that we hear again and again, like when I do these interviews, people go on a path that maybe turns out not to be quite the right path or it turns in an unexpected direction but so often those skills that we picked up in the early days have a place in whatever it is we end up doing eventually it's just not the straight linear path that maybe we're led to expect when we're choosing our university places when we're at high school I agree with that and you know it really has come full circle and I've always loved to create and I've always found a way to do it but now I've found a way for it to help me and I'm hoping to help others in their own path. Carolyn, people are going to be desperate to see your images after listening to this. It's one of those episodes where I wish there was a way of it being visual at the same time. Where can people come to find more of your work? So my Instagram is Carolyn underscore Mara and my website is carolynmarajournal.com and from my Carolyn Mara journal you can get to carolynmara.com which has my personal projects and my self-help and and the other projects that I've done so if you go to carolynmarajournal.com and you sign up for my newsletter you'll be the first to find out when my class is open and yes thank you amazing thank you so much and I will also pick out some of the images we've talked about and I'll include them in the show notes if people want an easy place to start to kind of picture what we've been talking about but thank you so much for your time I think this is going to be really valuable for people oh thank you for having me Sarah it was a pleasure show notes are at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 48 and both Carolyn and I would really love to hear from you over on Instagram and just hear your reactions to this week's episode You'll find me there at me and Orla and Carolyn is at Carolyn Mara. I know everyone always closes a podcast with this, but if you do get the chance, please go and leave me a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to this. It really helps other people to find it, which helps me keep creating these for free. I'll be back next week with possibly my favorite episode we've done so far. And it's a bit of a tearjerker. So I hope to see you then. Bye.